Rambam Yemi for Tuesday, Chaf Menachem of Tavshim Pei, the fourth parak of Hilchas Talmud Taira. So as we summed up yesterday, uh, the Prak learned until now, so Parak Aleph was about the basic uh, obligation to learn Taira, to teach Taira. Parak Beis was about the details relating to teachers, rabbis. Parak number three was about how to uh, achieve, how to reach Kesar Taira, how to succeed in the world of Taira. And then now... The Rambam is going to get into the details of how they uh, they learned in yeshivas, and a lot of the details relate to how they learned in yeshivas a long time ago in ancient times, in the time of Chazal. This is again all still in the context of the first mitzvah, which is Lil Torah to learn Torah. Now, this parak, I should just say again that this parak is a lot of the parak deals with describing how the yeshivas were in the time of Chazal. I think a main point to understand about that is that unlike the yeshivas today, or even recent generations, um, I would say I think we could describe the yeshivas in the Ham Chazal as having a sort of a much older average age for the people there, more like adults. Not saying that there weren't any who arrived at a young age, and you have the concept of serva merabanan. And you have maybe examples of those who didn't get married till they finished learning, but I think in general, on average, the main Talmudim in a given yeshiva were people in the middle of their lives, they had a wife, they had children, they had a job. That's just, first of all, the picture of the yeshivas we're talking about. We're going to we're gonna get into that. Almost, almost. We're going to get in there in a second. Uh, just introduce, I'm just explaining uh, how the yeshivas were then. And uh, number two, the kind of learning that happened in the yeshiva was, the, regardless of when exactly the Mishnah and the Gemara were actually written down, but until the time of the Mishnah, they were basically uh, learning and reviewing the things that ended up later being put into the Mishnahis or into the Brises. Once the Mishnah was composed, so then they were reviewing those precise Mishnayas, and they continued reviewing Brises, other statements, and they started the discussions that later went into the Gemara, and they were reviewing those, until you have entire Masechtas of Gemara, and now we just learn those Masechtas, and then each generation has its own has its own layer of discussion that then goes into the books, and then the next generation studies those books, and adds another layer. So, um, what we're going to learn here, which comes from Chazal, is describing the situation either before the Mishnah was composed or after the Mishnah was composed, but before the Gemara was composed. So that's just, I think, a general introduction. Now for Allah Aleph, the Ramam starts off describing the nature of the Talmud, the nature of what kind of Talmudim, what kind of students, what kind of teachers do we have here. The Ramam says, You can only teach Torah to the Talmud who stands out in his behavior, he's in his conduct, he's a Good guy. Oi Latam. Or someone who maybe he's not a Talmud hog, maybe he doesn't stand out for his behavior, but uh, ambiguous, there's no uh, nothing particularly bad about him. Kasif Mishnah says, Kalemash im Barulanu Imhutaiv Imlav. We don't immediately know, we haven't done a full uh, background check, but uh, seems okay. Uh, how do we know this? How does the Ramah know that you can teach to a Tam? Because the famous Gemara about Rav Gamliel that said the Talmud Sheni Hagon and the end of the whole story was that he had taken it a bit too far, and uh, we allow Tami them in. So you would describe those people. Or Tam in the Haggadah just means not Hagon, and now we're about to say next, which is the Ox. Just generic. So that's who you can teach. That's who can be accepted. But if someone's on the bad track, if he's 
clearly uh, not behaving according to the Torah. Hmm? Like I said, I think we're talking about adults here. That's why I gave an introduction. I think we're talking on average here more about older people. Um, so no, even today in yeshivas, of course, there are, there are rules about the conduct and, and, and behavior. I think, I think, yeah, so I think nowadays it's more based on concern about influence of the Talmudim or the, the general reputation of the yeshiva. Here, it sounds like the Akvan Torah itself only belonged really to a small uh, number of people. Whoever is going to go into yeshiva, chances are, is going to probably end up uh, pretty advanced, a chacham. So, uh, whereas today, uh, everyone goes into yeshiva, and the assumption is that everyone will have some connection to Torah, and through going to yeshiva, you'll have whatever amount of Torah you uh, connect with, that will be the amount of Torah you have. And it's understood that only a small amount are going to come out and be chachamim uh, of the next generation. So according to the situation then where only seemingly only a very small percentage of people went into yeshiva in the first place. So why should we give space to someone who's so problematic and we teach him the special information that's it's very exclusive and we don't want him to turn out to be a chacham, uh, someone who's a chacham, but someone who's not uh, so from, cause problems. So I think that's the, the context here. Can you teach Torah to the goyim? That's not, uh, not, not discussed here in this parak. Um, I'll bring in a bit from the Rebbe about uh, how this halacha about teaching a Talmud Shani Hagen applies today. So the Rambam says, mm-hmm. So we try to uh, we try to get him on the right track. Then we check him. Then we actually do a background check on this guy because he already uh, was problematic. And then we let him in. So clearly we're talking about someone who really wants to to join. He's just not uh, up to the right standards. But since he really wants to join, so here's your opportunity to... Uh, Get him on the right track until he's actually able to get in. Amru Chachamim, and like as many as with many things we've had so far, that Amam cites from Chazal to support uh, this idea. Amru Chachamim kol Hashayin and the Talmud Shani Hagun kilu zarag even lemarkulis. So this is a Gemara in Chulim, and it says who teach it if you teach a Talmud who's uh, not worthy, uh, it's like throwing a stone to the idol Markulis that was worshipped by throwing stones. So. Um, the idea seems to be, it's like we'd say the chassidus, giving a yanika to Tumma, you're giving, uh, you're giving the bad side energy, you're giving them, you know, you throw a stone to Markulis, you're serving Markulis, you, you give Torah to an unworthy person, it's just uh, making the bad person worse, it's not improving things. Yeah. There's another statement in the Gemara there that Neufel Begahanim, Ram didn't bring that one, but uh, yeah, strong statements in that Gemara there. Um, so you, not simply not doing a good thing, you're doing a bad thing. Shanamar, and this is also from Nakamura, the Pasuk. So we're going to, I'm going to bring in a bit from the Alter Rebbe and the Rebbe, um, how the Alter Rebbe dealt with that question in Nochus and how the Rebbe cited it in, in just a moment. Shanamar, Katsurar, Evan Bimar Gema, Kainaisim, Aksil Kavid. This is a Pasuk in, in Mishle. So the, the Pasuk mentions uh, throwing a stone in this context, so that seems to be how the Gemara and the Rambam, that's the connection to throwing a stone to Merkulis. The Pasuk itself, the meaning of the passage seems to be that giving honor to a fool, giving a fool something he shouldn't get, is like a stone in some kind of sling. Um, there are different explanations. Hmm? Yeah. So the, 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 we're going to get to it. I'll in a second. So, yeah, no, Dalton doesn't make a distinction between his own chiv and maybe his rabbi's chiv. You can look at it from two different sides. Okay. So the passage itself seems to be comparing. Uh, 
giving cover, giving the honor to a fool as like a stone in a, in a sling. And there's different explanations as to how the Pasuk is making that comparison. But the general idea here is, is that a, if you take a good thing and you put it in the wrong place, it might not uh, be doing a lot of good. But in Kavid Alatayran, since we said Kavid, what's Kavid? Uh, what's the connection to Tayran? So I'm adds some Perkayavas, some Perkvav. In Kavid Alatayran, Shunama Kavid Chacham Yimchalu. So honor and sages go together. So when you see Kavid and Mishle, you can translate it into Tayran. So whoever gives Tayran to a fool, it's the same analogy. Okay. Now, to, to the questions that we've been raising here. So in, in our time, in our era, there's a letter from the Rebbe, for example, from Tafshin Yud Ches, the summon of Morocco. And the Rebbe says, regarding your question that there are some who agree to learn with you, but on the condition that you don't discuss anything practical, nothing uh, bepoil. The Rebbe says, what a strange condition that is. You could explain to them that even when you speak about practical things, they still have free choice. They don't have to listen. <laughs> It'll be their decision. So um, what do they have to lose by talking about practical things? Okay, maybe uh, maybe they'll hear something new they never heard until now. And they'll appreciate it. Well, explain to them that you're not forcing them to do anything, but why, why limit it? Now, he says, life and moving. It's understood that these people, even people like that, who are giving that kind of condition up front, because it's its own mitzvah, it's a mitzvah and therefore you should continue learning with them regardless of uh, what they're saying. Ah, you mentioned the Maimar Azal, the Hagun, there's a place in Nister, and the Baal Shulchan Aruch, there's a place in Nigla, in Hilchas Tamatera, in Perak Dalz, if Gimel Kuntrasachin, he says that, uh, it's, it's okay. The Rebbe is talking about even someone who's mezalzal mitzvahs, totally, really no good, and he's not fulfilling what he's learning, even though he knows what he's learning, and still the Alter Rebbe says, that's okay. So certainly the people you're talking about who probably aren't really that knowledgeable in the first place. Now what does Alter, what's, what does Alter Rebbe say there? It actually connects what we learned yesterday. It's a bit of a contradiction almost between what we learned yesterday and what we learned today. It's yesterday we learned that lo'elam yilmed shalei lishma. So you look in the Alter Rebbe and Hilchus Talmud Torah Dalit in the Pnei. This is actually Alter Rebbe bases it on this. So first opinion he says that Shleil Shema only means when you're actually doing the mitzvahs. You're just not doing it for the right reason. You're you're afraid of even punishments in this world, or you love schar, you want to get a reward. Or even for uh, personal ambition, you want to covet, you want to honor and glory, you want to be called a rabbi, you want to be your Rosh Hashiva. So that's all included and everyone agrees that that's the kind of Shleil Shema where you can certainly continue learning. But, um, but according to this opinion, mm-hmm. the Pasuk says, oh, wicked person, what are you touching my Torah for? And he says, any Talmud Chacham, someone who's knowledgeable, and yet, as Mizal Mitzvah, he's uh, being dismissive towards Mitzvah, he doesn't have Yerushimayim, so he's worse than Ami Aretz. He's terrible, and because Ami Aretz, they do something on purpose, you can still, sometimes we say, even though things on purpose, we treat like it was a mistake. But this guy, if he knows he's Talmud Chacham, that's the opposite. But this guy, Nasim Shkagas Kizdainis, even his mistakes are treated like things he did on purpose. And that's what Chacham said, the Torah is poison for him. Torah could be either the, the, you know, the elixir of life, or it could be a poison. It depends on how you take it. That's one of the things. And some say, and the footnote, the original footnote from the Altareb, it says, This line from yesterday's parak that you should always learn He'll end up 
here in, the, in this sense, Shalei Lashma means not to actually do what he's learning, and Lashma means he'll, he'll end up doing, he'll end up learning and doing what he's learning. Shamar Shabbat Marzir Lamotov, you have the idea that the more of Torah, the light of Torah can bring someone back on the right track, like Hacham said. Would be okay even if they didn't do the mitzvahs, but they but they learned Torah. That would also be enough because the Torah would bring them back on track. And the Kuntus Achron, which the Rebbe cited, he brings the Rambam again. He says it's this Rambam. His eye says, "Well, they malam the Talmud Shani Hagon." So what about this? We're learning that you shouldn't teach Talmud Shani Hagon. He shouldn't get himself into a doubtful situation. Because maybe, maybe this guy will be the one guy who Taka doesn't uh, get on the right track. And then it's going to turn out at the end of the whole story that he was like a Zedek Evan the Marculus. If it doesn't work out, if it works out, then sure, surely not Zedek Evan the Marculus. But if this guy happens to be the one guy who stays off, so then that would be a Suffolk. Maybe the Rav shouldn't get into that kind of situation. But who else my, he himself, he, said he has a, he has his own Chiv. <laughs> what does he have to lose? He's, he's, he's not from, but he's so, if he learns Torah, it might help. So what, what does he have to lose? I we said there is something to lose because then even the things you do like mistakes turn into zdoinus. Says the hafsids, the, what, what he has to lose doesn't equal what he has to gain because yeah. he might actually get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying. I mean, not that it's acknowledging. There are some. There are, there are some stories that have a bad ending, but that's why they're. That's why, according to one Malak and Altareb, that's why the Rav shouldn't. If he sees that this 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 kid is problematic, this guy is problematic. One one opinion is that the Rav shouldn't get involved. If the guy himself wants to learn, he shouldn't. He should learn because. What he what he stands to gain is better than what he stands to lose. Maybe he'll be Makara himself. Yeah, no, you said that it's going to hurt him. Shkagas Nasalek is doing this. Some Hamavas. I guess that's not really Kiyama Mitzvah. If you're doing it in the wrong way, uh, you should learn Torah in the right way, not in the wrong way. Uh, if someone is uh, based, uh, converts to Christianity and he's learning Torah, I don't think that's considered Lumina Torah. At some point. Uh, hmm? That's a shaila with Mitzvah today. If the guy's a Christian, you know, is it uh, Mitzvah or is, if he's if he's so far uh, removed that he's doing it in totally the opposite, wrong way? Maybe it's not a Mitzvah. Yeah, 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 you say if the person's already starting off on a, on a bad foot, or you see that the Simonim did it. You know, don't, yeah, that, that's what we wrote, that's what it said here. Not yeah, to. so. Saying. So the Alter explains that could be because the Rav, the Rav doesn't want to get into the Suffolk because he doesn't want to end off. You know, right now it's a doubt. Either this will succeed and bring the guy back on track, or it won't. If it doesn't, then it'll turn out that he taught the Torah to the wrong guy. So maybe the Rav shouldn't get into the doubt, but the guy himself, what does he have to lose? Then the author about Even the Rav has to put himself into this doubtful situation. If there's no other option, if it's the Rav said that first you should be Machzirim Lamutov. If you can be Machzirim Lamutov first, then you should do that first. First make him from, and then teach him. But uh, but if you if you're not going to bring him into the base of meditation, it's going to push him away, and we're never going to see him again. Then you have no choice. You have to even put yourself into the doubt, like a mysterious nefesh. You might be over on the teaching Talmud Torah to Talmud Shani You might be over on Zerik Evan Markulis, but you have no choice. You have to teach him. And he brings oh, he brings this Chazal that says the oilam The left has to push away, but the right always has to be closer. Not like Yeshua ben Prachia v'chula. What's the story of Yeshua ben Prachia? I say yes, Yeshua. It says that Yeshua ben Prachia. Had Yeshua and Yeshua was acting in a problematic way, 
and he pushed him away, and that was the end of him, and the rest is history. And uh, Chazal are saying that Yeshua Prachia made a mistake. He shouldn't have pushed him away. So if someone like that shouldn't have been pushed away, so that's the Al-Tarebbe's concluding point. Yeah, so from here we see the Al-Tarebbe in his halachic work is saying practically you should always teach any Yatera, no, as long as he's uh, willing to learn. All right. Let's get back on track here. So that's not just regarding the Talmud, that the Talmud should be a good Talmud, but the Rav also has to be a good Rav. If the Rav himself is no good, and everyone needs him, especially back then, where the knowledge was very, very, it was very you know, who had the knowledge already? It could be one person. Without him, we're talking with a big hole in, uh, in our terror knowledge. We really need this guy. Um, so even though his contribution is very, very important, do not learn from him until he gets back on traction. Because Torah is not just knowledge, Torah is a way of life, and, and the, the contradiction created between this person's impressive knowledge, but his completely opposite behavior, it's too problematic. We can't, they're not going to gain from, from such a person. And the proof, this is uh, from Chazal, the Pasuk, and the continuation is from Chazal. So it's, it's describing the person teaching, and it compares him to Malach, Amr Chachamim, Chazal same day, Marav Malach Hashem Tzvois, 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 if the Rav is like a Malach, if he behaves like an angel, if his behavior is angelic, so then you should learn from him. Otherwise, he's not a good Roman, not a good teacher. Now, yesterday, uh, someone asked about the, the three Ksarim. The Rav quoted the Kesar Teira, Kesar Kuna, Kesar Malachus. So what about Kesar Shemtev? Kesar Shemtev, So I saw this a from the Rebbe, and Perkayavis, the Shabbos Parshas Tavi, Tavshmem, hey. And the Rebbe says that the Div, Kesar Shemtev, first Shem say that the Div, a Kesar Shemtev, having the crown of a good name, is not disconnected at all. You either have Torah or you have Kesar Shemtev. No, it's an addition. The Kesar Torah has a Kesar Shemtev on top of it, a crown on top of the crown. And meaning, meaning that you could have the Kesar Torah without the Kesar Shemtev, but the mission is saying the Kesar Torah should lead to the Kesar Shemtev. What's the example of Kesar Torah with or without? So it says this idea, it's also already in the Mepharshim there in Perkley Elvis, that a Rav needs to have a Shem Tev, so you've actually Torah If he doesn't have a good name, no one's going to learn from him. So the Kesar Torah needs that Kesar Shemtev on top of it. And that way you're able to actually learn from him. That's an exception. Only uh, only he was able to, only Rameir was able to do that. It's not a derech for a regular person. Okay, so now uh, that was uh, the first part of that. Now the Ram continues to the actual Seder Halimwad, how they sat and learned in the yeshivas. Again, mostly a lot of this is in the time of Chazal. So Ketzad Malamdin. So how do they teach? Rav Yeshev Baruch, Rav sits at the head, the, the students are sitting in front of him, like in a, in a half circle. So they can all see him and hear him. And the Rav should not be up on a chair and the Tamidim sitting on the ground, which sitting on the ground was common in that culture. It still is, I think, in some of the local cultures. Either everyone's down on the level of the ground or everyone's up on the level of chairs. So, but regarding sitting and standing, originally the Rav would sit and Tamidim would stand. But already before the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, it was already uh, came mainstream that everyone everyone's sitting. Um, the Kesef Mishnah says, so this is a Gemara, I believe, in Mait Katan, and um, also Gemara Megillah. So uh, there's a question, though, because you look in Chazal in a few places, uh, you see that there are stories where it says that the Gamliel uh, was sitting uh, on a bench, and was it Shim and Rabbi were sitting on the ground in front of them. A clear Gemara that describes a different scenario. 
And also in Yavna, it says there were, there were four, they were sitting, and there was someone sitting on the ground in front of them. And a lot, a lot of exteriors here. So, uh, she says, what's the, uh, is it depends, it depends on what the subject is. That if it was a very difficult subject, then they had to get up from the ground. If they were sitting on the ground with the Talmudim, they wouldn't have been able to focus on these very, these were unique stories with unique, difficult uh, questions. So that's why they got up to sit on the bench to, to give it some deeper thought. Or Inami, that there's a, a smicha thing here, that when you have a smicha, so then uh, maybe before smicha, then you don't have to treat them with so, so much respect. And once they get smicha, then they get the, the equal treatment. Okay. <laughs> um, some, some over here might be familiar that there's a special, on Hilchas Tamatari of the Alter Abba, there is a, a pirush, a, a book, a set by Mark Hishmo Ashkenazi, who's the Reverend Kfar Chabad, he did like a full volume, at least a one full volume each on each parak of Vilchus Tamatayra. I think on one parak there's two volumes. And the end of the volume on Parak Dala, the last parak of Vilchus Tamatayra, the Al towards the end, page 508, he's, he points out that in Rambam here, Parakim on Parak Dalad, so all the halachas here are copied into Tershok and Arach, similar to Vav and Yeridah, but there are a number of halachas here in Parakim and Parak Dalad that the Al actually completely skips, omits from Vilchus Tamatayra, and he lists them. He doesn't just comment on all the things Alter Rebbe says. He also comments on the absence, what Alter Rebbe doesn't bring. And so one thing is from Parag Gimel. At the end, the Parag Gimel says, call him a batwas or someone who doesn't keep Torah because he's rich, one of the being poor, that's missing. And the rest is from this parak. So that includes this halacha, halacha beis, and halacha Gimel, and halacha vav zayin So like I said, uh, in light of the, the, what, what a rav was in those days, what the tamidim were, what the learning was, what the yeshivas were, a lot of things were different then. Fundamentally, the, compared to the last a thousand years, or at least the last five hundred years, so some of this literally got uh, the chopping block. But I'm not that ever wrote Hilchus Tamatayr. So this is, for example, Alter Rebbe doesn't talk about this at all. Now that I'm continues to the concept of a maturgaman, uh, someone who would stand and, and repeat or translate the Parmach Hazal Gimel If the Rav wants to teach directly, he could. So there's no no one saying you have to have a maturgaman, but in practice. It was very common then, as we're going to see later, from, I'm going to quote later from Rashi. Rashi says it was often literally translating. The Rav spoke in, in Hebrew and the, the Turgamon translated into Aramaic. Um, or it was just a matter of covets, or maybe someone to repeat it in a louder tone of voice. So that's why we're going to continue talking about the Turgamon now for the rest of the Gimel. If he is using a Metargim, so the Metargim stands in the middle between him and the students. The Rav speaks to the Metargim. And then the Metargim repeats it to everyone else. And then it goes in reverse. When they ask the question, they ask him. He asks the Rav. Then the Rav answers the Metargim. So he relays the information back and forth. Um... And the Rav, the Rav shouldn't raise his voice higher than the Metargim. And the Metargim shouldn't raise his voice higher, but only when the Metargim is repeating a question to the Rav, he shouldn't ask it in a higher tone of voice than the Rav's own consistent tone of voice. Apparently, yeah. No, I think it's just Derek uh, Eretz, but when he's repeating back to the crowd, he is uh, raising his voice, probably part of his job is to make sure everyone can hear me, everyone can understand. 
Adam continues and says, "In a term even though uh, even if he's translating, he can't take away, he can't add, he can't change. He has to repeat exactly what was said. LMK unless the the Turgaman, the Turgaman is uh, the father of the sage or his rebbe, which is an interesting scenario. Why is the Turgaman uh, greater than the rebbe? So there's actually a Hasagas arrived here. The Ravid says." That was a one unique scenario, a novel situation that the Rav was the Turgman for Rav Sheila, and he changed something because he was greater than Rav Sheila. Um, so according to the Rav, this is just a one unique story that happened tomorrow. Why return listen to Halacha? That's what he seems to be saying. The Kassif Mishnah explains, and it's actually Yerushalmi that also says basically LMK in this sentence. But apparently there's two ways of understanding that Yerushalmi. The Ramam understands it, that, like he said here, that the Maturgaman is the father or the Rebbe. But apparently, he says, the Ran seems to understand it the opposite, that the, sometimes the Maturgamon is the son or the student of the Rav, and then there's a rule in other Miskanab of Noe the Rav won't be mocked, the Rav won't be upset if this, uh, his son or his student uh, says things a little differently. So maybe the Rav had understood like the Ran, so he didn't think that was relevant to hear. That's why he's saying, why, why is the Rav making this in Talacha? But okay. Now the Rav mentions another case of a certain slight kind of change the Maturgamon can make. If the Rav says, this is my, what my Rabbi said, this is what my father said. When the, when the, when the Turgaman repeats it to everyone else, I think this means, he, even though he's about to paraphrase, but he's gonna speak, he's gonna say it as if this is what the Chacham just said. But when it comes to that part of the sentence, he pretends almost as if that the Chacham had said the actual name. He's, he's supposedly telling them what the, what the Chacham, what the Rav said, but yet when it comes to that part, instead of saying my Rebbe, my father, or his Rebbe, his father, he just re- replaces it with the actual name. Even though, uh, how is he saying something that the Rav didn't say? The Rav really wanted to say his name. He just can't. He's not allowed to say his name. But it's as if he wanted to, as if he did, so the, the Turgaman can safely repeat it, uh, just modify it, and it's like he's repeating what the Rav said. Because we said that he can't change anything. So because really you should be saying, uh, for, I think I think it's partially part of It's important to you see in Gemara when they would say, "Oh my son, so b'shem son, so b'shem son." The the background behind the statement was important. Is this similar to the plantain that we had to make it? Mm-hmm. Is that the same one? Ah, uh, he didn't have to. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the chayes tried it. We all heard it, but but what is it's not in front of his Rav. He's not standing between the Rav and the crowd and repeating what the Rav just said. That's not. Uh, no, this no, is no, a separate. Right. Give over every word. Right. It's a, it's an interesting parallel, but it's not. Uh, it's, it's not the same thing. Um, now um, the marker for this is in, in Kedushin. It says over there a story that Marbar of Ashi was darshaning, and he kept on saying Abba Mari, my father, and the, his Amira would say Rav Ashi, just to point out that. The, the Turgaman of the Gemara is called the Amira. The word Amira, it's interesting to know, actually is the word in Aramaic for a Maturgaman. And that's why they're called Amirim, because I guess they're being uh, taking Mishnah and sort of reinterpreting it for the masses. 
Um, also in the story that the Rav had mentioned earlier, Rav and Rav Shailah, says, Rav came to where Rav Shailah lived, and Asher said they didn't know who he was, and it says, Loi hava they didn't have a, a, a maturgamon for Rav Shailah, so Rav said, okay, I'll do it, and then all of a sudden in the middle, Rav started actually disagreeing and saying something differently than Rav Shailah, that's the story over there in Yuma. Okay. This is also not the Naltarebbe, because we haven't had maturgamon since the time of the Amirayim. Okay. Now the uh, now he's going to speak about savlanos about how to you have to be patient. Uh, if the rav teaches and they didn't understand, uh, he shouldn't get upset. Uh, you should just repeat it many times until they really get it. And the talmud also he should also be patient with himself. He shouldn't say I get it if he doesn't get it. He keeps on asking what what did you say what does it mean. And if for some reason this Rebbe did get upset at him, you should stand his ground and say, Rebbe, I need to learn. Uh, my brain, it's, I'm not getting it. Please help. Uh, so this overall was brought by the Alter Rebbe because this is relevant. I don't think he brings the last line about the Rebbe Tehidehi, but overall this halacha is in the Rebbe. And now the Rebbe continues and speaks. Uh, ultimately, there is a communication between the Tamar and the Rebbe, well, yeah, we're sort of, yeah, dropping the maturgamon from many future descriptions of interactions, yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, and the same goes for the feeling of the Talmud towards his friends. He shouldn't be embarrassed of his friends. They got it the first and second time. And it took him more times. He gets embarrassed. So he walked in in the morning. He left in the evening. And he didn't learn anything. What's the point of that? So can't afford to be embarrassed. Someone who's bashful doesn't learn and goes for the Rav as well. Someone who's uh, upset, who gets angry easily, he can't teach. Now there's a, an exception. If the reason why they're not getting it is truly because it's a deep uh, idea or because they're not so bright. But the Rav can tell that they're just being lazy. They're not uh, applying themselves properly. And that's why they didn't understand that and he should get upset at them and shame them and make them feel foolish to sharpen them. Regarding this is the statement you should inject some bitterness into the Talmudim. So Rashkenazi and Hilchastamatera points out that uh, the Ramam actually mentioned Zerik Marba Talmidim in the Pirish Mishnais that we quoted yesterday. It said the Fum Sara Agra that uh, according to the pain, not so much gain you have. So he said Torah doesn't uh, you're not successful Torah if you just read it leisurely. Ramam continues and says that's why it says Zerik Marba Talmidim. So he asks uh, here it sounds like it's only if he sees that they're lazy. In the Pirish Mishnais it sounds like the Ramam said that's the whole that's the, the entire manner of teaching. So he actually suggests that maybe if it says it means about something else. But similar to this, they said it here. But the problem is that in our my Rambam, I don't know, your Ram, it says and in the manuscripts of the Ramam, it says said regarding this, not that that this is a similar thing. This is the thing itself, and but in the print it said and the is also uses I would suggest that maybe it's not really a contradiction because when the Rav sees that they're being uh, lazy, that's equivalent to what the Ram described in Mishnah is that the they're sitting back and learning leisurely. So if you see there's a problem with that, so then you have to be them to make sure that they're not behaving in that kind of way. But the assumption here is that who says they are actually behaving that way? 
And for carrot, you can't clearly you can't always teach that way. It's not going to work if you are always being zeric marbetalmidim. It's only we're appropriate to make sure that they're actually applying themselves. That's what I think. Okay. Um, also points out that there's a whole concept of milsa the dichasa. Idea that you're supposed to say something that cheers the talmidim up a little bit. Bar Natalia, Bar Nachsidus from Chazal. It's not mentioned in Rambam in Torah Shulchan Aruch. Even in Chassamatayra, he suggests some ideas. But I'm a, the Rebbe in a few places mentions the two things together, that before you learn in a, the manner of mur, you have to have the b'dichus of before, that it goes together. It's interesting to point out that it's not mentioned. Lefichach, uh, and that is, what's the lefichach? He's going to end up, because the Rav has to put fear into their hearts. So therefore, you shouldn't behave in a lightheaded manner, not laugh at them, and not even drink with them. It's not way, they, they're always... They're always put in their place and they're learning and they're not getting distracted. Now, in Allah Chavav Zayin Ches, which are also missing from Al Tareba, it's how to ask questions in Yeshiva. And the first thing is about how not to confuse the Rav. You can't ask the Rav right when he walks in until he comes down, until he's settled in. But the Talmud shouldn't ask either right when he walked in. Until he rests. Two shouldn't ask together at the same time. They shouldn't ask a totally different topic, just the topic that we're learning about. So you shouldn't embarrass the Rav. But that only goes for the Rav, that they shouldn't make the Rav feel uncomfortable. But the Rav, he doesn't have the same obligation. He can try to trick them and fool them with his questions or even with his behavior to do something that seemingly is wrong. To sharpen their minds, to see whether they remember what they, what they learned or not. How much more so, he can surely ask them something that does not relate to what they're learning now, in order to encourage them or to move them along. And now to ask like a mensch, you shouldn't ask while standing, you shouldn't answer while standing, not from some very high place, not from far away across the room, not from behind the elders, whatever the setup was, don't be behind them, it should be in front of the Rebbe. And you shouldn't ask the Rav, it should be Be'inyan. Now the question here, I remember years ago someone once asked, didn't we just say in the previous halacha to ask Be'inyan? So I remember suggesting that um, there it sounds like it's totally a different topic, Inyan Acher. Here it's more like uh, even what in today's language you'd say, uh, La Inyan, you have to... Even the questions on the topic have to be to the point and not uh, somewhat related, but maybe taking away uh, or just not distracting, not adding to what we're actually trying to learn. Because if Mishnah also addresses it, he says, he gives an example that halacha vav meant if you're learning halacha shah, but don't ask halacha yamdif. And here he means if you're learning halacha don't ask, uh, what if a uh, uh, barrel breaks on Shabbos? Right now we're learning about carrying. Don't ask about the Shabbos, but it's not uh, what we're learning about now. You have to ask very respectfully. You shouldn't ask more than three things at a time. Now, what if two ask at the same time? Who comes first? So if someone's more on top than the other one, you answer the one topic. You always go with the thing that's more practical. Halachu medrash, medrash here meaning like drashas of Chazal, how they exegesis. It's kakal halacha. Halacha is more important. Medrash v'agada. Drash of Chazal versus Agadat Madrashim, what we call Madrashim, this Kak on the Madrash, Madrash meaning Drashis of Chazal comes first. Agadat of a Kalva Chaymer, if it's Agadat versus a Kalva Chaymer, and it's Kak on the Kalva Chaymer. 
Although I think there's a gear that says the opposite, but I'm just going with this. Kavachemer, Xera Shava, two different kinds of, uh, you go with the Nskakam Kavachemer. You go to the senior person first. Talmud Amaaretz, Nskakam Talmud. The Talmud, even if he's not a Chacham, but he's more senior than Amaaretz. Shnei Chacham, Shnei Talidim, Shnei Amaaretz. What if they're both of equal stature? Or Shalu, Shnei, Mishnei, Allah, Shnei, 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 Maisim. Or they're all equal, they're asking two equal things. Or Shus, Miyad, Matargam, Yad, oh, here the Matargam comes back in. The, the, all of a sudden, the Matagam is here. He decides who comes first. He'll, he has to repeat a question to Rav, so he'll, he'll choose which one to ask first. And finally, you can't sleep, or it tears your terror apart. That sleep goes with tearing. You should only be talking about terror. Even if someone sneezes, you shouldn't say gesundheit, which is an old uh, practice. You don't say refuah. And certainly not anything else. And the base of is even more than a base of where you only die.